And welcome to the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett. The head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook is the great Patrick Morrow. Patrick, welcome back. Oh, gosh. Always a pleasure to spend this time with you, Seth, each week. Yeah, the sincerity just continues to go uh, harder and harder and harder. Uh, We're getting closer to the NCAA tournament. They're telling you that uh, they're going to allow fans in Indianapolis. It looks like we're there, and there's a bunch of bubble teams, including Duke. So the first question I had for you is, are those prop bets for, you know, obviously there's still regular season games to be played and the conference tournaments, but are there props, for example, to see Duke uh, who is clearly a bubble team. They're not necessarily definitely in, but I'm sure a bunch of people would say, does Duke make the play, make the tournament? Yes. And I would probably put some shekels on that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's tough because you look at uh, historically, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, a good co- co- uh, comparison point. And, you know, it was like a 12 or 13 win Kentucky team uh, five, six years ago that did something similar, just v- if they weren't Kentucky, they wouldn't have been in the tournament. And that's kind of what you see with a team like Duke right now. If you look at things like the college basketball index at ESPN and BPI, even Ken Palm and stuff, you know, they're not a good team this year. I mean, you know, forget uh, all the different excuses that uh, someone like Mike Krzyzewski has for what's going on. And they're, they're just, they're average. Uh, you know, I'm looking at Ken Palm and CBI. They're a mid team. They're around 30, 35. And the resume is just not there. 11 and 8 doesn't do it. Having said that, we have seen, uh, you know, they have, they certainly benefit from being able to play in one of the more marquee conference uh, attorneys leading into the tournament. And this is something that Blue Bloods have been able to lean on in a way that mid majors can't. Mid major teams need to win their conference attorneys more often than not to get in there. Whereas, uh, you know, Duke can just make a run in the ACC and probably make a good case. Uh, you know, Kentucky in the past uh, did that as well. Connecticut famously did it. If we want to go all the way back to Kemba Walker, that's not a tournament oh, team. Yeah. And they literally used the Big East tournament as a springboard to get in and uh, continue that run. All the more insane with how many games they had to play in X amount of days. One of the more impressive feats I've ever seen. We lost a boatload of money on that Connecticut run. So I do like to reference it every now and again. But uh, yeah, I mean, looking at Duke right now, they're... They are on the bubble there very much so. We have them currently as a pick'em uh, to make the tournament at Bavada. Okay, so you know if you go through this, and I mean ESPN breaks it down. You know, for example, let's just use the ACC just because we brought up Duke. You know, Virginia and Florida State are locks, but the bubble teams are well should be in Virginia Tech, Clemson, and Louisville, and then there's the teams on the outside looking in. North Carolina, Duke, and Syracuse. And those are big, big names. And you'll see this throughout, you know, in the Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma, West Virginia are, are locks, should be in Texas, Texas Tech, and Kansas, and Oklahoma State. Um, in the Big East, Villanova's a lock. Creighton should be in. But what about Seton Hall? What about Connecticut you just mentioned? What about Xavier, St. John's? this goes on. Let's do the big 10. I'll do the big 10 too. Michigan, Ohio state, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin are locks. Purdue Rutgers should be in, but the Indiana Hoosiers, Maryland Terrapins and Minnesota golden Gophers all on the outside looking in. Yeah. And and, and that big 10 is uh, looking at the sum of its parts, just an insane amount of talent Uh, really hit home with that Michigan, Ohio state game on Sunday. How good was that? Really good back and forth. Uh, Michigan, 
a good resume uh, boost for them. That actually bumped them up to minus 500 to get one of the one seeds uh, in the tournament at Bavada based on the strength of that win and overall their schedule as a whole. Now, granted, they do have uh, a lot of holes in that schedule. Uh, they've had a lot of postponed games. They're 16 and one. They played five or six games less than some other teams uh, in that conference. But I, I mean, there's no other way to put it. The big 10 is stacked. Uh, it's not just Michigan. It's not just Ohio state, Iowa, quietly one of the really, really good offensive stories this year. Illinois looked all right. Actually, uh, I'll, Full disclosure, I've actually bet a little bit of money on Iowa and Illinois coming out of the Big Ten to have some deep tourney runs and also a little bit of Houston uh, in the uh, American Conference, pardon me. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's insane what's coming out of the Big Ten right now. And, you, you know, some of those other teams you listed going back to the Big East, uh, you know, the Seton Halls, the Connecticut's, I mean, we have them all slightly in right now. But uh, I mean, when it comes to the most consistent conference that we've seen all season, uh, it's, it's far and away the Big Ten. Um, you know, Purdue's right there. Wisconsin is always really good, even if they play, you know, depressingly boring basketball, very slow, uh, use that whole possession. I think Wisconsin, Virginia would probably give us uh, the lowest over under of the year if they ever were to meet up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it feels, it honestly, it feels great that here we are, February 23rd, we're talking about conference tourneys coming up. I think we're still waiting for the Big East to release their schedule, unless they did so just today, because I didn't see it yesterday. But otherwise, uh, yeah, conference tourney, mid-majors, uh, you know, meaningful college basketball. I, you know what? I'm so excited. I might even fill in a bracket this year. <laughs> Let's just do quickly. Uh, the PAC 12 USC is a lock uh, Colorado, UCLA and Oregon should be in, but Stanford is uh, on the out looking in, uh, in the sec. Alabama has had a great season been, I mean, come on. They have football. They need basketball too. Um, <laughs> Tennessee, Missouri, and Arkansas, and Florida, and LSU should all be in, but Ole Miss has to play to get in as well. So the NCAA tournament, as we go on, uh, should be pretty, pretty fascinating. Um, I want to switch to the ice for a second. Uh, Patrick, this past weekend, uh, the NHL did something that was picturesque, uh, you could argue. Um, Given the state of COVID, they couldn't do a winter classic or a heritage classic like they normally had at a football stadium or a baseball stadium. They couldn't do something with 80,000 fans. I saw the crowd. Remember the one for uh, in Michigan, the Red Wings and the Blackhawks played and there was like 114,000 people uh, in, in the game that couldn't be done. So what the NHL did when I thought it was really, really forward thinking was do something very picturesque that you couldn't have fans in because there's no place to put fans and make it so like it belongs there, not this has changed because of COVID. And they chose Lake Tahoe in Nevada. Um, they did it on the 18th green of a golf course, a beautiful golf course right on the lake. Um, that was one of the prettiest ice rinks I'd ever seen, but... The sun played havoc with the ice. And after one period on Saturday, the game between the uh, Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights had to be postponed until that night. But that night, Pacific time. So on the East Coast, it started. Period two started at midnight. And it was moved over to NBC Sports Network, which is a network that, by the way, is defunct. They're, they're, they're ending for, uh, in, in a couple of months. Then... The Sunday game between the Boston Bruins and the Philadelphia Flyers had to be moved to the night. 
And again, put on NBC Sports Network, not their big NBC. In all of your COVID sports watching viewing, everything has been made for television. None of this has existed really in a bubble because the only reason you play sports is so somebody can watch, whether it's via your television or in person. What is your takeaway from what I thought was such a great effort by the National Hockey League? What did you make of this idea that because the games were moved, was this a colossal failure? It's uh, I, 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 I think question. certainly on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, sa- yeah. Uh, s- Saturday is. Uh, Saturday See, I would is disagree. Sa- I would disagree with that. I thought Saturday was the success because they got a start to it and got mm-hmm. to show it on their main network. They didn't finish the game, but again, you're showcasing the scenery, not the, they actually ran the period twice and the casual fan does not care who's playing and who's winning. They just want to see the scenery. I think Saturday was less of a failure than Sunday, Sunday, seven o'clock on a Sunday night on the East coast. That didn't make any sense to me. Ah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I just like to see something uh, go from start to finish like that uninterrupted. I, I can appreciate that Saturday probably had some nicer views. And for the casual fan, they got the gist of what the gimmick was. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I look back to, uh, you know, gosh, uh, growing up in Canada, I played a lot of pond hockey growing up. So, you know, w- once you get going, you don't like to start and stop. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I also... This is pretty. Uh, this is probably a pretty unpopular view. Uh, I like the idea of the outdoor games more than I often like the execution of most of them. I think one of the bigger uh, problems I have with them is how far back the fans have to be, and I kind of understand it. But uh, there's this weird kind of, and you know, you re- you referenced the Ann Arbor game uh, that the that Detroit hosted, and that's a massive stadium, and it's a crazy crowd presence. But they're not on top of the action as they are in a standard NHL game, right up against the glass where those. Sure you know, 100 level seat. Yeah. We we've had a, I think it was Pittsburgh, Philadelphia a few years as well that uh, we had to delay it an entire game because of similar issues. Uh, it was just too warm. It was, the, day it was the sun. It was the sun. Right. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, w- I would just rather whenever they do play these games, I would like to see it go from start to finish, but Hey, I mean, I, I think these were a lot cooler when they first started doing them. I really like the idea of this one and how beautiful the background is. I would just would have liked that when they started that uh, it went from start to finish and played out like a normal game would, but I, I, I'm nitpicking. I still, I love the idea. I love that they're thinking outside the box like that. I hope they keep doing it. If not for me, uh, actually, no, I'll, I'll walk that back. Definitely for me. Cause I still haven't gone to right. one of these yet. You I haven't been, I've been to two. So I, you know, when the Leafs, uh, the Leafs also played uh, Detroit in one of these. And I thought that year maybe would be the one I would go to, but uh, it ended up just not working out, but Right, you that know, was the Toronto Maple Leafs played the Red Wings in Ann Arbor Stadium in the Winter Classic in 2014, and that was 105,000 people uh, saw the Maple Leafs uh, win in a shootout. And beforehand, Seth, we were talking about uh, you know the novelty jerseys and how great they are uh, with events like this. And you better believe that I have two of those Leaf jerseys uh, from that game because why wouldn't I? It was beautiful. It was an event. It was cool. I wasn't even there, but it's still uh, it's still the one that I wear when they inevitably uh, let me down at various stages of the playoffs each year. So your Maple Leafs played in another game in 2017 on January 1st, the Centennial Classic, the Red Wings and the Maple Leafs. 
uh, a five, four overtime loss. Both times they played outside. They played against Detroit. See, and I also, oh, I, gosh, I, I, I do like the contrast of those early games as well. I think it was Edmonton and Montreal and what they used to call the Heritage the Classic. Heritage Classic in 2003. They're wearing tukes yep. under their helmets because we're yep. going in another direction, Seth. It's minus 30 in Canada while we're playing these games. That See, was a regular season game, right? That was the yes. first ever regular season game outdoors. Yeah. It was in Edmonton. It was the Canadians and the Oilers at Commonwealth Stadium. That was the first ever outdoor game they had played a couple of exhibitions in the, in the, you know, in the 1950s, uh, the Red Wings played the Marquette prison pirates in 1954 at the Marquette branch prison. The, well, dang. The, 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 the 600 people were there. <laughs> well, there probably wasn't much else going on. I definitely would have watched in prison. They were all prisoners. Um, the, uh, the, uh, I've been to two uh, and I'll tell you that the, the funny parts about both of them, uh, I was at the Winter Classic in 2012 when the New York Rangers played the Philadelphia Flyers at Citizens Bank Park. I had just finished the 2011 baseball season working for the Philadelphia Fly- Phillies. So I was asked by the Phillies and I went. They know I'm a big hockey nut and I went and it was very cool. The late Roy Halladay threw out a uh, first pitch. I remember that. And it was a really cool moment. They sang the national anthem and they brought the Phillies people like, you know, they just made it a very, very cool, unique feel. And then the game starts and a reporter comes over to me in the press box and says, so who do you like in this game? And, you know, I'm a diehard New Jersey Devils fan. And I said, I'm rooting for a scoreless tie and three broken ankles. Oh, (laughs) it's the two teams I hate the most, the New York Rangers (laughs) and the Philadelphia Flyers. (laughs) Um, the other game I went to was a stadium series game and it was in uh, 2014. It was the New York Rangers and the New Jersey devils. um, And we got killed and Mm. it was 50,000 people in the game. And it was a seven, three blowout. Martin Brodeur did not like it. He couldn't adjust and he got shelled. And I remember it, but you know what? I take the memory and I take the the experience I will never trade either of one of those. Those were so cool. And, and gosh, they're as, as someone who played on it growing up as well, but just also as a handicapper handicapping, these games are very, very difficult because of the unknown of these guys playing outside, uh, not knowing the quality of the ice, which in often cases uh, isn't great uh, as we saw over the weekend, uh, which leads to bumpier, choppier gameplay. Uh, in the past, a lot of people thought that meant easy unders, but uh, I mean, that could just lead to a lot of turnovers, a lot of, uh, you know, op- offensive opportunities that just kind of uh, organically occur, not because of any ga- great gameplay taking place. So uh, it- it's certainly a challenging game to kind of keep on top of. I do think there's probably uh, opportunities in in-game wagering uh when it comes to, you know, watch five, 10 minutes of these games and see how comfortable these players are, how the puck's oh, bouncing so and... Uh, because otherwise we have these pregame assumptions, but until they actually get going out there and see, you know, okay, what's working, what's not working, how the ice is behaving. We, we honestly, as odds makers have no idea what we're doing with games like these. We try and use our historical priors, but to be honest, they're not very good for games like these. Uh, a lot of opportunities for players. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in it there. I just, like I said, bottom line, was it a success or a failure? I think I think it was a success because we're talking about it. I think those pictures 
will uh, last longer than anyone's memory of the games themselves. I think that's beautiful. You know, looking at those sites uh, the night before, even I was thinking, oh man, I really want to be at that event, uh, regardless of whether good hockey takes place, just because of the novelty of it. So I hope they continue to do them. I hope to be able to be in a safe part of the world to view one of these in person one day soon. But uh, yeah, I, I think they're great. I hope they keep cranking them out, even if they are a pain in the ass to try and handicap for us at Bavada. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Uh, meanwhile, spring training is underway by hook or by crook. Um, spring training is underway in full squad workouts. You have exhibition games starting and they are going to try to do just a regular season. Um, there's one aspect from a gambling standpoint, and that is one of the points of contention is the league wants to add the ex, uh, extra round of playoffs. Um the talk is, is that the league wants to add certain things. They want to add a universal DH, which they're not going to get, uh, but they want this extra round of playoffs, which I'm completely against, especially if you're going to play 162 games. Uh, if you have an extra round of playoffs and you add four extra teams in each league, a lot more teams make the playoffs. What about preseason betting on, you know, the, will the Seattle Mariners make the playoffs? How does that change? At, at you know Bavada or anywhere just the idea that if they change the rules before opening day yeah and and we're, we're very fortunate uh because this is something we got caught with our pants down last year with Bavada in the summer where uh you know it wasn't just baseball it was uh, NFL did something similar where they allowed more teams into the playoffs and we post these odds with the expectation that leagues will play based on the rules that we've come to know barring obvious uh, announcements from you know governing bodies at various orgs but uh, yeah this is something that we have to be you know we've certainly learned our lessons because we didn't want to void wagers last year when they changed the rules and all of a sudden players had value. I mean, information changes like everything else. We thought it was fair that people who had bet yes uh, on all these teams, uh, you know, could keep those bets. So as a result, we're definitely being a little bit more conservative in how we're rolling out the posting of some of those odds. So for example, right now we just have uh, world series futures up. Uh, we have the league pennants. We have divisions up right now. Uh, but it's something that we're going to have to watch for. I mean, baseball really, uh, you know, they, they kind of set the tone for all the other leagues last year of making it up as we went along. And uh, so that's something that, hey, you know, we, we had we took a lot of lumps at Bovado with uh, that as we went. So this year we're going to be a little bit more conservative. Uh, having said that, uh, MLB win totals will be coming out by end of week as well, just in time for spring training to start on the 28th, I believe. There is uh, definitely a lot going on. And as we get closer to the regular season, we'll see it. Does it feel like a regular season? You know, they regionalized and it was something that, you know, for example, the NHL has done brilliantly. You know, they've had COVID outbreaks, you know, the, 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 the capitals, the, the Sabres, the devils, the stars, uh, what other team? I'm sure I'm, I'm missing teams that have had it, but because you're only playing six or seven different opponents, your your exposure is limited a great deal so the league can press on if the philadelphia flyers are out for two weeks and it doesn't make a difference baseball they were doing that the east was playing the east the central was playing the central the west was playing the west but this year they're doing i've seen their schedule east coast teams are taking west coast road trips and vice versa that's crazy yeah and i mean uh you know, God, God willing, uh, whether it's seasonality or vaccine rollout or, you know, some version of immunity, uh, you know, we're able to skirt that. But uh, yeah, it, it is a little bit concerning. It doesn't seem like something that needs to be done. I mean, we, 
baseball does well playing a lot of games inside their division. I don't see why they can't, you know, amp that up similar to the way that the NHL has done it, as you referenced. I mean, that is a great way to, and it also, it, it puts a lot more meaning in the teams that do make the playoffs. I mean, we've talked about this expansion, uh, you know, baseball needs that long regular season in a way that no other league does because, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about very low win expectations. The best team, the best teams in MLB uh, are still only winning games at maybe about a 60% clip or so. They need those many games to prove that they're the best just because of the high amount of variance in an average baseball game. Uh, when you're, when you're allowing that many more teams in the playoffs, it cheapens in my opinion. And I'm not an old, you know, I'm not an well, old man. Yells at- here. Just you're playing 162 games and then have to win a best of three. That's crazy. Yeah, and it's, you know, we've talked about this before, Seth. I love in the past when organically, after 162 games, two teams had to play one more to separate each other. Oh, that's awesome. Right. When that happens organically, that is the coolest thing in sports, that game. That is, uh, but when we are manufacturing it, it it cheapens it a bit. And I get it. Listen, we're all still going to watch. People are still going to bet it, but it's. It's uh, it's the only thing the networks want. Did you see ESPN's renegotiating their deal? And all they want is less regular season games and more playoff games. (laughs) We should just, uh, you know, we should just do bracket tournaments uh, in perpetuity, Seth. I think that would uh, manufacture every, you know, we'll do 10 seasons in a year. Uh, We'll give them a couple months off and we'll just do 64 team tourneys. Uh, We'll, we'll invite some more teams. We'll bring in some minor. It's, uh, you know, I, I, again, I'm not averse to change. I think there's a lot of great change that comes in sports. I think teams showed some outside of the box thinking, some of it necessary in the last 11 months. But I don't know. Uh, thank goodness, uh, you know, pitchers are still hitting. I, I still get a good deal of enjoyment from that, especially someone who <laughs> likes to lie bet unders uh, late in games. So, you know, I, I do like to see that. Plus, you know, whenever someone like Bartolo Colon's going deep, you know, how, how great is that? <laughs> And uh, his YouTube still has millions and millions of views. (laughs) (laughs) That's Patrick Morrow. I'm Seth Everett. This is the Bavada at Odds podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. We will see you next week. Mm